Hi everyone, welcome to Living with MS Truth Be Told. I'm your host Marie Heron. Um, today we have the pleasure of talking to the active MS dude. Um, that would be David Axfield, um, whose philosophy is uh, be active, stay fit, and keep exploring. Welcome, David. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> Did you know that was you? <laughs> Yeah, no, that was a shock. I was I was floored when you when you mentioned my name. I didn't even think I was going to be on here. Oh, come on. Okay, in your okay, so in your bio, okay, and I, I encourage everyone to please. Um, David does have um, a website, and he has pages on the internet, and he has some extraordinary stories to tell, and some motivational uh, things that I think that everyone who's living with MS should know about. Um, the one thing I loved in your bio. Uh, was it referenced stubborn defiance? And I want you to tell me a little bit about that. What's oh, stubborn boy. defiance? Uh, yeah, no. When I got when I got diagnosed, uh, it was it was it was pretty it was pretty heavy, and um, I've uh, I, I've I've always wanted to practice what I preach, and I've been preaching with activemsers dot org uh, the, the the ability to stay active with this disease. And one of the ways that I sort of defy the disease is with uh, exercise and travel. I, mm-hmm. I do a lot of both. Um, I've, I've traveled to, since I've gotten MS, since I've had MS, probably to dozens of different countries at all corners of the world. I, I haven't been to Antarctica, but I've been to many other continents, uh, all of the other continents. And it's been fantastic. Uh, and it, has not been easy, but right. it's been fantastic, and so that's sort of my defiance sort of thing. Uh, and I use the the same sort of philosophy when it comes to exercise and staying fit because eh, MS hasn't been the, the kindest disease to my no, legs, that's especially. True. That's true. So uh, a lot of my exercises these days, most of it is done seated. Mm-hmm. But I can get into the cardio zone. I can really step on the gas pedal, and I feel great after uh, a good exercise. And I, I do that probably daily for about an hour. Right. So it works out really well. Well, just to let you know, um, maybe your MS legs didn't take you to Antarctica, but mine did. So I was there on your behalf. <laughs> oh, well, that's fantastic. All I did, right. I did the whole I like that. Tierra del Fuego thing. <laughs> So I was there. How was the crossing of the Drake Passage? Oh, it was it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Just loved it. And it's interesting because hopefully um, in the next couple of weeks we'll be doing um, uh, truth be told episodes dedicated to travel and how you travel with MS and and all of that. So this is really really cool because again, if you visit your website, you can see all the wonderful places that you've been to. Um, So. You know, I just, I, I just really enjoyed uh, listen, reading your words and reading your, um, you know, all your uh, adventures that you've had. Um, don't, don't forget the bazillion travel tips. I've got a lot of travel tips. Yeah, but no, don't, don't read those because I want people to tune in to listen to ours. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. all right. Then you can come. Yes, right. I can come. Good. Yeah, for sure. Um, that uh, yeah. So it seems to me from your story in Active MSers um, that you had a diagnosis that you moved forward with a positive attitude. Um, 
And as I read your words, I see a similar purpose to this podcast when you say, if you're newly diagnosed, don't freak. Can you expand on that? Because that was the reason I started this podcast was I didn't want people to freak. And I know they do. So you're saying exactly the same thing. And let's let's explore that. Because I, well, I uh, you know, I, I, there, I, I, it's it's pretty clear that people with getting diagnosed with MS fall into two camps. One, what's been going on with my body for all these years? It's weird. I don't understand. It's a relief almost to, to right. finally have a name to all these weird symptoms. And then you've got the other camp when you might have heard the words MS, but you never really thought about it. And then all of a sudden you have something that you you're pretty sure it's. You know, a, a, a little tick. Maybe you have Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, something funky with your spine, pinched nerve. And then all of a sudden, no, you've got this disease that they don't have a cure for, and the sky comes imploding down, and you get into freakout zone. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely in the latter part of this conversation, I freaked the hell out. Oh, okay. by the way, can I curse? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a podcast. It's not a radio show. <laughs> I will try not to curse, but I might. But, so but you know I what, David? Bomb, it's so... It's really so apologize. Yeah, sorry for interrupting, but it's so important that other people hear this, that the initial reaction is going to be that you're going to freak out and that yeah, there's and life it, past the freak out stage. So continue. Exactly. I mean, because yeah, for the first few months, uh, it, and it's not just a freak out of the person who's getting diagnosed. It's the freak out of everyone who is involved in your life. I mean, my wife uh, lost, uh, she she didn't have a period for maybe several months. Right. Um, so she had to go see her doctor, like, what's going on with me? He's like, uh, well, you're kind of in that freak out stage. Right. Um, for me... It was every day, uh, almost like clockwork. I would cry because that's just what you do when you freak out. Mm -hmm. Um, I did punch some things, but usually it was soft, so I didn't hurt myself. Um, I freaked out. I'm not stupid crazy. Uh, I would cry at songs. I never cried at songs. I don't even know what they sing. Uh, I mean, it's a joke in my family that... Uh, I replace every word in every song with a meow. So it doesn't matter. It's I kind of hum and meow songs all the time. But now, all of a sudden, for these three months, I was listening to every single emotional word, and it just wrecked me. So getting in the car, I cry. It didn't matter. I was just... I was a basket case. I couldn't do anything. I, I yeah. spent hours... And hours and hours. I think I read everything on the internet about MS, which was completely and totally unproductive. Right. Help people. Right. Don't do that. It's not going to help you. Okay. And, and, you're, and you're, you're the third guest that I've had that said, so people, do not get all your information from Dr. Google. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, don't David. Don't do that. <laughs> it just, it amps up the freak out zone. Yes, and then it does. for some reason, you don't find activemsers.org and people climbing mountains and riding centuries and doing all this crazy stuff. You find the absolute worst case scenario and it just 
envelops everything that you think about with this disease. Um, And you will fast forward your life and you will try to come up with all these things that might happen. And I don't know, you know, will you end up in a wheelchair? I have no idea. Uh, Will you be able to climb Kilimanjaro? You know, when you're 50, maybe. Exactly. Uh, that that, you know, it's such a, a variable disease, and that part of getting diagnosed is so tricky. So I tell folks, you're going to have to write it out. It's going to be hard, um, but it will pass. That freak-out zone will pass, and then you can get into the, okay, how can I live my life fuller and better with this disease instead of being resigned to suffer through this disease. And and what I like what I like there, David, is you're saying, how do I live my life with the emphasis on live? And I want to say to anybody who's listening, um, who has been diagnosed recently, I know from my own experience, and you're saying about the freakout zone, zone, everybody goes into the freakout zone. However, um, that freakout zone can can cause uh, flare-ups in rapid succession and that's a horrible thing to happen right after diagnosis so i my advice to people is you know get into a meditation class get a meditation class on youtube because that stress well you will freak out absolutely oh, yep yeah. and i i uh i got a therapist uh but it took so long to get an appointment with the therapist I kind of moved past that super dangerous freakout zone into a little bit, I was a little more comfortable talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that first month I lost, I lost 10 pounds. It was fantastic for, for weight, uh, for weight loss, but not very good for health. I was, I was not doing well. And of course, yeah, with MS and stress. Yeah, you don't you don't want to combine those two. And you know, to be fair, David, um, and again, I'll say this to everybody who's listening. I mean, I'm what fifth, almost fifty eight now, and um, yeah, I'm fifty seven. <laughs> and um, I was just trying to think, how old am I really? Um, I lie about my age so often. Anyway, but seriously. I'm 57 now, and sometimes, you know, people ask me about my, and I will tear up. You know, I'll actually start crying, you know, because I'll, yeah. you know, I'll say, well, I'll like, you know, I hate sometimes, you know, if I'll talk about a flare-up, I'll be like, you know, I'll get really emotional, because you're right. I mean, it's, it, it is, um, and, but the, the, the impetus is to remember that, um, you know, there are, there are things out there, there are ways to manipulate this, there are ways to modify it, there are ways to live uh, with, this, with this disease. Okay, so along your journey, you've had some highs and lows. One of them you just shared with us, the lows. Um, and one of the highs for you was stem cell transplant. Can you tell us about that procedure? How did you come to that? Uh, well, it was uh, in 2009. So I, I was diagnosed in 06. You know, my okay. right side went numb while I was watching Sports Center drinking a beer, and I was like, that's not right. Uh, ended up in the ER, and, you know, eventually I got diagnosed. <laughs> but uh, uh, he, the disease got aggressive about three years in. I knew something was not right. It just. Uh, I would wake up and I knew things were going downhill. So I tried to get, um, I was on a, a clinical trial at the time with Copaxone. Okay. Uh, then I was trying to switch over to a, a Lemtrada clinical trial, but something wonky was in my blood work and I couldn't get accepted into that. So uh, 
I was down to, I've already burned through uh, other medications, including uh, uh, yeah, another drug, and then another powerful drug I relapsed on. So I was, uh, I was kind of out of good, decent options, and mm-hmm. my disease was, uh, was moving way faster than, uh, yeah. than the Roadrunner and the Coyote. I mean, it was, it was, it was buzzing along. So I figured, you know what, um, let's try to get into this clinical trial out of Houston. Okay, and that uh, was, had, it was a clinical trial? It was a okay. clinical trial uh, to uh, research uh, HSCT, and it was, it was a big, big deal. And what, um, did, what does HSTC, David? Uh, the H stands for hemiopoietic, which right. is kind of blood, and then... Uh, SCT is a stem cell transplant, right? Um, and it's autologous. Uh, you can get allogeneic, but allogeneic takes a donor stem cell, which is far more dangerous than autologous. Oh, okay. So I entered the clinical trial. I got accepted. Uh, it was a breeze. And then things got really squirrely because then I wasn't really accepted because I couldn't walk. Uh, I was so well off when I, when I applied to the trial, uh, and this will show you how fast my MS was moving, I could do 500 meters, no problem. Right. But by the time it came to move to Houston to do the transplant, um, uh, it was really iffy if I could walk the 100 meters. Right. So you, so, you were, so you were progressing that fast. It was, I was, yeah. I dropped maybe two or three EDSS points uh, from the, t- in just a span of like maybe five months. Wow. It was, yeah. it was, I was, you know, you're, you're grabbing at the, the sides of a steep, muddy bank and it's, you just can't stop yourself. Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah. So I got into the trial. Uh, insurance denied me. That's a whole other story. We're not going to talk about that today. Oh, no. That, that would be like a whole different podcast. Yeah, that's a crazy story. It'll be a book and a movie. Yeah. Mark yeah. my words. Yeah. And a good movie at that. Yeah, and I um, want Kim Cattrall to play me. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Good, good. I don't know if we'll get all the way to this interview, but maybe. Um, <laughs> so I was in the hospital for, uh, for about a month. Uh, part of the trial, it was uh, about a month beforehand. I moved to Houston and did a bunch of testing. And then I was in the hospital for about three weeks uh, going through the actual transplant procedure. And most of that is uh, chemotherapy and recovery. The actual transplant day, day is kind of anticlimactic because you're not really that sick yet. You get about five yeah. days of chemo, then you get the transplant, and then the chemo starts to really take effect. Okay, so both um, both Phil, my producer, and I are looking at each other, and we're like, why the chemo? Ah, uh, well, yeah. So the chemo is, they want to reboot your immune system, and this is the theory of it. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so they take out your stem cells before you even go into the hospital, right? and they freeze them. Okay. Uh, in my case, they cleaned them, uh, but... Uh, quote clean them uh, it's not like with a rag or anything I'm not sure exactly how they did that uh, so they harvested my stem cells and then you go into the hospital and uh, for the first five days they give you uh, they hydrate the hell out of you so you really have to pee and you get your five or so different chemotherapy drugs mm-hmm. so that's Challenging, and what it does is it knocks down the immune system, 
it's a, the same treatment essentially used for lymphoma. And they want to reboot your immune system, ideally without any memory of, of okay. MS. So they, they reboot it, and when they, when they reboot it, uh, they put back in your stem cells, uh, and that, it just, the stem cells speed up your recovery. You right. might still be, you might still live without having your stem cells rebooted. It would just take a long, long, long time. Right. So the real key factor of this is more so the ablation of the immune system than, quote, the stem cells. Right. Um, in this particular treatment. So you're in the hospital, you're, uh, you have no defense, no immune defense, and this is where the risk really comes into play. Right, um, right. And I've, I, you know, I've lost some friends. Uh, uh, we've had, I've had other people that have gone deaf from uh, uh, reactions to antibiotics, people who have lost use of limbs. Um, these things can happen. It's a really serious uh, treatment, and I right, think people, right. you know, when you go when you go into it, you're super optimistic, and you're saying, "Hey, that one percent at the time for me, it was like five percent a risk of death. It's not going to happen." And you have to have that attitude, or else, you, I mean, right. you can't go in and have it done if you think, "Well, eh, it's probably going to kill me," uh, but it could. And it's really sobering when you do your will and mm-hmm. making sure all those things are lined up um, before you even enter the hospital. Right. Uh, you're going to have, I had some bad days. Um, there were a few days when I couldn't get, I didn't have the strength to get out of bed or sit up or do anything. And that can get really uncomfortable. And uh, yeah, it's, it's no fun. There was one time when, during the treatment when I said, did I make a really wrong decision on this? Yeah, no, I understand. Um, but three weeks later, um, uh, you know, I ha- engraftment occurred, and uh, I was uh, on the mend, and then uh, I was healthy enough to be released. I still couldn't really socialize with folks, and when I went back to uh, our Houston uh, home, it was. They were very clear. You need to be within 15 minutes of our hospital, of the mm-hmm. ER. And if your fever goes up, even just if you get any sort of fever, you have to rush here immediately uh, because you could die, and it happens very, very fast. Right. Um, never had a fever. Uh, went home about a month after I got out of the hospital, maybe not even quite that long and just avoided people, wore a mask, um, mm-hmm. didn't, didn't hop on air, air, airplane flights very often. And also, Laura, my, my caretaker, my wife, uh, and we're celebrating 25 years in uh, just like a week um, of marriage. That's fantastic. Anyway, yes, she, that's right. she made sure that she didn't get sick, and uh, we, I recovered pretty quickly and the gains were pretty fast. I would right. say within within a few months I was back to walking 500 meters. Right. Uh, and I, you were I, snowboarding. My, uh, yeah, and yeah. I, I ended up getting back on the slopes. Um, it was the 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 changes were dramatic. They were uh, they were so, they were so dramatic. I got so excited. I started walking without my walker or yeah. my cane. Yeah. And then I fell in my kitchen and broke my leg, and I was like, well, that was really dumb. 
but it was really exciting. Um, so I think there's some great... It was potential. really exciting to break your leg. <laughs> oh, my God. I was so excited to break a leg. Um, it wasn't a bad break, though. It wasn't like I'm wearing a 30-pound cast. And, right. You know, so it was, it was a little bone. But still, broken leg. So I have to, I have to talk about my broken leg. And then um, I would say about four years post-transplant, uh, I could tell my walking was getting slower. Okay, um, you, st- you started, yeah, because I think what I said was, I, from your story, you started backsliding. Yeah, so yeah, it was about year four, and I knew things were holding up okay, but it wasn't quite as easy as it was beforehand. I could I could walk up to about two miles with my forearm crutches, mm-hmm. and then that went down to about a mile, and then we were talking, okay, now I can't walk quite as far as I used to. And by the end of the trial, I was still above baseline, but I wasn't dramatically above baseline. Right, right. Um, would I do it again? Absolutely. I thought it, it saved my life. Uh, I'm, I'm confident of that. It definitely saved my quality of life. Uh, I was, I was, uh, yeah, I, I was jumping off a cliff uh, into a nursing home. Uh, it was, it was scary. Um, right. But, you know, I also know that with the research, the, the, I, I want to say the return of the disease happens after five years and about maybe 50 to 70 percent of uh, sorry uh, 50 to 70 percent will not have any issues with disease reactivation wow uh, yeah that, that, yeah that's incredible so just a couple of things um, first of all I, I know we, we're not going to talk about this but I just want to touch on it if you go on Facebook, you'll see there's this amazing glossy campaign uh, for MS uh, stem cell uh, transplants. And Erica Lyons from MS and Me Radio said, "Radio said, no, don't go for that. If you if you're going to do any kind of stem cell research, make sure it's well researched. It's done in conjunction with the MS Society or the MS groups, or you know, and it's neurologists who are doing it, not cosmetic surgeons." Would you, oh, yeah, would you agree? Big. Yeah, that's a big issue. I mean, you've got stem cell therapy where they might take some fat out of one place and stick it in your spine and say, yeah. hey, you're going to be fine. And that's, uh, you know, that's that's just a bunch of BS. I mean, yeah. or it might, I guess technically there's a chance it might work, but there's been no research done on it. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't talked to anyone personally who has seen some good results. Right. Uh, what you really want to look for is uh, immunoablative therapy. And it's more of a treatment, and it involves chemotherapy, and ideally you would do it in a trial. I mean, I understand if you're desperate and you've got to go uh, overseas to Russia or to Mexico or to Israel, uh, then then so be it. But if we don't have trials happening, then we can't advance the research, and if we can't advance the research, we can't convince insurance companies to cover it, and then... It won't happen. It'll just, it, this will be a treatment that will die on the vine. Uh, right. And, and no. Only I, be for tourism, which would be terrible. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and you know, just to, just to say, and it's so important to everyone who's listening, 
remember, um, when I was diagnosed in 1984, there was nothing. Um, I have a friend of mine um, who started MS Climbs, which is uh, just simply money for research. And that's where you hear about these wonderful people. And, and my husband did it, and I flew over and met him. Um, they climb Kilimanjaro. They climb Machu Picchu. They climb Everest Base Camp. Um, and all that money goes to research. And there's so many, so many different things coming out. Um, is there a cure on the horizon? I don't know. But there's so many modifying, um, yeah. disease-modifying stuff. So anything coming up in research that you want to share with us? Um, uh, trials well, or? I'm just really excited. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, since I'm not a researcher, I just, that's not really my, my place to, to chat too much about it. But I think there are some really powerful uh, therapies that are out there right now, uh, from Acrevis to Tysabri to Lamtrada. I mean, these are big guns that were not available uh, for me. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. And I would, that, I would probably have tried one of those big ones uh, before I would have gotten a transplant. I mean, this is, I still see this as, uh, while an effective therapy, kind of a last-ditch therapy, okay. just because of the risk of, of death and severe complications. Right. Um, yeah, well, de- know, yeah, de- death, death is a bit of a problem, for sure. Yeah, death is a big problem. Yeah. And right now, my life is, you know, I, I, I am just, uh, well, I, I always enjoy life. And well, life and it, yeah. is still fantastic. So, and, and that's so yeah. important for, for our listeners to hear because, um, you know, it's, yeah, the, there is life after diagnosis. David, I want to thank you so very much uh, for sharing your story with us. I mean, I was so excited when I reached out to you because I love the active MS dude. <laughs> and I know that you're a, you're a real uh, pioneer, that you're a real supporter. And I know that you're really romantic because, um, as we were saying before we came on the air, uh, we were, I was trying to uh, interview you and you said no 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 no. it's my 25th anniversary there's no way <laughs> so <laughs> I want to acknowledge that happy anniversary David and oh, well, Laura thank you so much um, you know keep up the good work please keep in touch um, and uh, thank you so much and for everyone who's listening if you too would like to be a guest on our show um, active or sorry uh Living with MS, truth be told, um, you can certainly reach us at www.mheron uh, at rogers.com or www.truthbetold.ca. And have a great day, Active Dave. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again and your audience soon. Okay, thanks, David. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Sometimes it frightens me. 